Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals through your planning. Remember that. And through your committed effort. My interviews that I do on Money Making Conversation provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities that you might see on TV or read about, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. My next guest is an industry decision maker. He is a celebrity, he is a CEO, and he is an entrepreneur. His name is Kirk Franklin. He's a six-time Grammy Award-winning artist, songwriter, and producer. <laughs> his uh, latest album is the acclaimed Long Live, Long Live Love, which is his 13th studio album. He released a new single and video from the album Strong God this past summer. He's on the show to discuss something I'm excited to talk to him about, his new podcast, Good Words with Kirk Franklin. Almost like good news. <laughs> a new podcast podcast series that welcomes people from every cross-section of life and who seek inspiration and empowerment. Lock this date in February 9th. That's the date, everybody, where he's in conjunction with Sony Music Entertainment, dropping good words with Kurt Franklin on the podcast. Please welcome the Money Making Conversation. He's my good friend. He's been in my life, man, since 94. I'm from Houston, Texas. He's up in that Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth area, Texas boy. Yes, sir. Please welcome yes, Kurt sir. Franklin. How you doing, Kurt? What up, Ken Folk? How you doing, man? Well, welcome to my new studio, Kirk. I'm trying to do it, man. I'm trying to step up, man, in my game. Yeah, man. No, man, you look good, brother. You Thank look you. good. You got a little flex happening up in there. Love it. Thank you. Love it. How you been doing, man? You know, we're coming out of 2020, going into 2021. We're talking about new podcasts. But let's let's step back a little bit and talk about 2020. Because it, it, it sent me through a lot of changes, tested my faith, mm-hmm. tested my patience, mmm. sent me through some emotional, physical change. I gained weight, lost weight. I had anxieties yeah, yeah. about the COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, my family, my wife, she still won't go to a restaurant out in public. She'll take to go, but then she's suspect of it coming into the house. So how did it mm-hmm. impact your family and the people who follow you and, and seek your guidance well once again man so honored to see you and so proud to see you uh continue to just really make impact especially in our community mm-hmm. um to be able to give information that 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 a lot of times was systemically mm-hmm. hidden from us it was part of the plan for us to not always gather the information mm-hmm or to be able to pass the information and for it to be transferable uh, into uh, the, the boardroom all the way to the block. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that is so uh, needed. So I commend you on what you're doing. Thank yeah, you. man, the, the pandemic, uh, especially the fact that there was um, the word I use is contemporaneous, <laughs> uh, several, com- several pandemics happening at one time from George Floyd to, to 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 um to our uh, mothers and fathers getting sick and dying of mm-hmm. the disease to mm-hmm. all the the uh the political uprising against mm-hmm. it and so um all of those things took a toll on me and my family because mm-hmm. I have a young black son mm-hmm. and so uh uh continuing to see this uh, this this uh hateful narrative 
mm-hmm. that has been America's narrative mm-hmm. uh, for over 400 years is something that can be very daunting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and it can really be fatiguing. And so for all of these things that happened at one time in 2020 was something that uh, continued to pull me. I had to start going back to the uh, to therapy myself. You know, I'm a black man that is very proud to uh, acknowledge and promote uh, psychological therapy, uh, psychiatry for uh, especially black men. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it was something that we held on to each other as, as a family. And, and it put me in a position where my faith really had to be something that was not just preached, but something that was lived in real time. And so that was another challenge to really mm-hmm. test me to see how much I believed and how rooted right. I was in what I was preaching and so mm-hmm. or seeing and doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, is that I think that the battles were all intentional and mm-hmm. I think that they were all um, for our good and right. to reset right. if we would allow it to do that. Well, the beauty of watching you, um, you know, as they just, a popular word in 2020, the word pivot. You know, if you can't do it live, how you do it virtual? And, you know, you put mm-hmm. concerts together, you brought people together, you united, you did the verses, I believe. Uh, how yeah. did all that play into you reaching your, I, I, I consider you, I'm part of your congregation. I'm part of the Kirk Franklin mm-hmm. congregation. And I say that because I'm not, I'm not a, a, a weekly church goer. I might go to church, yeah. you know, periodically. And I'm not saying I mm-hmm. show up on Easter, I'm not showing I show up on New Year's or Christmas. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I go with friends, but I am a believer. Yeah. And I think I'm one of your followers because the way you approach your teachings, and that's how I have to use that word teachings, affect me positively and your music motivates me. Uh, do you get that yeah. a lot from people? Say, say that question again, please. Just say, do you get that a lot from people? How you motivate them or a non-church goers like me, you know, who believe? And I say that's a negative thing to the church goers. No, 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 no. Let me let me say that I'm honored at whatever capacity to be able to do life with people, to to be able to be part of people's journey, mm-hmm. for God to uh, to loan me. Uh, words and music, whatever that I can borrow from him to just be a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I take a great uh, level of humility and responsibility in. Um, and it was never my intent to try to do something that would be left of center. That would that was that was never my attempt. I'm I'm just really uh, someone that is very sincere about my Christian faith, right. as well as also. Uh, uh, addressing all the areas of revisionist history mm-hmm. that has uh, sometimes whitewashed the African-American uh, sojourn through um, Christianity and what it was originally and how Europe did not influence Africa, but Africa influenced Europe in uh, this monotheistic approach to faith. You know, it's really interesting. I got another show uh, uh, working with uh, a business manager, Stephen A. Smith. And uh, mm-hmm. you'll be coming, you'll be making an appearance up on one of our shows. I don't know if you know about it on the Stephen A's world. And I, mm-hmm. I was excited that we were able to bring your voice into the arena because, uh, you know, because Stephen and I sat down and said, you know, that's a voice you never see in sports, like from the perspective of who you are. And you are so unique in how you approach life, Kirk and how you approach the gospel that I feel comfortable bringing you in that arena because the way you talk, you just talk like a regular person. I don't, and I, like I said, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking like I'm talking to a friend. I'm talking to a friend that, that allows me to be Rashawn McDonald, that, that I don't feel that I, I know I have flaws and you know, I know I have flaws, you know. <laughs> well, like, I think that what, 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 
what is interesting is that for for there to be even a conversation of what I do to be something that has some type of unique uh, uh, sentiment to it is I think is very unfortunate because I believe that it is the pursuit of every person that, yes. says, that says that they subscribe to a faith, especially a faith in Jesus Christ, which is about humility. It, mm-hmm. it, it is about vulnerability. When you look at the Bible and the Bible is a chorus of mm-hmm. misfits and, 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 and fail and like failing individuals consistently uh, that were the backdrop of this beautiful uh, story of grace and mercy. So, man, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I think that it's very unfortunate that, that, that we're not being engaged that much in people's lives where they see a difference and not just one or two, mm-hmm. but in everyone that opens up their mouth to say that. And that's why <laughs> for me, I'm hoping that even with this podcast, it is just another extension of how I can, can try to speak to incredible men like you and, and other individuals in ways that are entertaining, engaging, and and inspiring. Absolutely. Good words. What does that mean? Good words with Kurt Franklin. That's the podcast. What does that mean? There's just so many bad ones that are out. There Mm -hmm. are just so many words of negativity. There's so many words of division. There's so many words that are lies that are, that, that is misinformation that people build their truth upon. And so now truth becomes arbitrary. You know, and 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 so uh, good words is something that I'm hoping people will tune into to be able to get exactly that a a a word of information, uh, a word of engagement, a word of 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 inspiration, so that they can be able to be entertained. I think that that uh, when you hear just just the tapestry of artists and and individuals that we're interviewing, it's going to be very unique to see their, their intersection of culture right. and faith and how we can help other people even in theirs. Well, you know, the, the beauty of this conversation is that, uh, okay, you know, I, I've seen you in so many levels of greatness, of greatness, you know, from a, on the stage, hosting TV show. You know, I love seeing you host TV. Uh, you're one of those phenomenal hosts. And I tell you that all the time. I love seeing you on TV hosting. And um, and then you got your own channel, you know, and a uh, music channel. So why mm. podcast, Mr. Franklin? You know, you got all these other ways to communicate. Social media, you're a giant. Okay, music, you're a giant. You got your own music channel. Why do we need a podcast? It's just another extension of communication. Mm-hmm. It is just continuing the conversation wherever people are. Mm-hmm. That that wherever there is, there should there should be the story of the good news. Right. That the good news should be wherever people are. And so we don't wait for people to come to us to get this good news. We are ambassadors. We are we are uh, soldiers. We we are uh extensions right. of of his grace his love right and with good words i want it to be a place where you can see that you're not alone i do think that there is this dichotomy of what it looks like to be a real person and try to hold on to real faith that they don't always seem to be synonymous in people's journey and i hope that this podcast will allow you to get interviews from other people that that they live with that tension that mm-hmm. try to maneuver through what what my faith and my humanity should be and who should take the lead and what happens when it doesn't happen and and and, and how I maneuver through that in my career 
and being able to manage success, able to manage my own fears, my own anxiety. So I believe the good words will be a, uh, a, I pray a very special uh, place for people to come on that platform. Okay. Here's, here's the f- interesting thing about Kurt Frank. I know one side of Kurt. I, I'm, I'm, I, I know it backwards and forward. Now, does, what type of food does Kurt Franklin like to eat? Are you a barbecue man? Are you a pizza man? A hamburger man? Are you just Rashad? <laughs> I, I like to stay in shape. What are you, keto? What are, what are you, brother? What are you? <laughs> it's, I uh, eat really clean. Okay. I try to eat really clean. No, no now, Krispy Kreme. I, no I Krispy Kreme. No Krispy Kreme. I haven't had Krispy Kreme in a few years, but, 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 but now as I do have cheat days, Okay, I do have cheat days and in my okay. cheat days, I do go ham. Right. Uh-huh. But, but I think the problem that we can all attest to, right. That we, we can, we can, we can, we can all be, uh, uh, witnesses hallelujah about is that this pandemic, bro, <laughs> this pandemic has messed up everybody's food plan. And because man, you know, you trying to eat right. but. Uh-huh. You know, early on in that pandemic, when everything was shut down, it's like, well, what am I eating good for? I ain't gonna be in front of no camera, and so you just boom, 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 boom. Ten you pounds here, the, I, ten pounds. You didn't eat the whole grocery store. Mm-hmm. And now, okay, that's that. That's there. Now, how about music? Other than gospel music, what R and B music or rap music do you listen to, Kurt Franklin? I listen uh, to uh, old school or new school. I listen to everything. I am a student of the craft. I listen mm-hmm. to everything from Jasmine Sullivan's new album mm-hmm. to uh, li- I listen to whatever Drake drops. I listen to whatever uh, Fred Hammond drops. I listen to whatever Yo-Yo Ma drops. Right. I listen to whatever Adele drops. Uh-huh. I listen to uh, anything that's going to be uh, either old Miles or Snarky Puppy, you know, I'm I'm just a fan of music. You know, you know. Here, here's the funny part about my you, you get in my car. Here, here's my first three songs, okay? Because you know I'm old school, Kurt. You know, I know melodies from heaven. I gotta, I gotta, you know, I gotta have that. That that uh, at four, I get in my car by five o'clock in the morning, coming to my office. So that gets Ooh, me on fire. Really? Okay, then I go to rock star. By the baby. That's that's my whole genre, you know. My and so and so then I then I go to Kim, you know, uh, and so so and then I then I slow it down a little bit more with, with Anthony Hamilton. That's my first four songs in my podcast in my in my excuse me in my in my player on my tr- my, my my truck when I want to start rolling. What would be your first four songs, Kurt? Not putting you on the spot. First four songs. First four songs. Mine is, is Melodies from Heaven, The Baby, with Rockstar, then I slide into Kim, then like then Charlene from uh, Anthony Hamilton. Those are my first four songs. Is I can't say that I am that that consistent uh-huh. um, in in that process. You know, it's some mornings I'll listen to, you know, a a a teaching podcast right. first thing in the morning mm-hmm. you know as i may listen to some old school you know walter hawkins uh mm-hmm. you know uh, uh andre cratcher or mm-hmm. as i may listen to something to get me lit on my way to the gym you know right. what I'm saying? it could be a drake record it could, mm-hmm. be, it could be a a you know eric b and rakim record it could mm-hmm. be you know <laughs> you know jay-z record there you, you go know, there you be, go you know so so you know is is that i have a I have a big appetite for music right. and and one doesn't win over the other. Well, you know, when, I, when we look at good words with Kurt Franklin and then the press release that came out, they mentioned your interview with Pharrell. 
you know, just to give a sense of the type of uh, talent or celebrity level that will be part of the show. Why is it important to for individuals like Pharrell to uh, not, not only discuss their faith, but also tell a side of the story that's not entertainment driven or selling albums or movies or, or yeah. things like that? Why is that important? Yeah. Well, I think that it's even more important now because there we are at this crossroads right. that in in American culture, American society, and even in our belief systems that, mm-hmm. that, that, that these, that during this pandemic is going to change the trajectory of how people process what is real and what matters. And a lot of times the people that have impacted culture more than others may be the greater microphone of how to be able to navigate through those things, as well as being able to give another side so that we can be able to start we can be able to start fixing a lot of the holes that have been in what people consider organized religion, that we can pull down some of the barriers so that we can be able to even uh, uh, even try to articulate more misinformation that has mm-hmm. been passed down generationally to people of color and and to be able to also unpack the weaponization of Christianity right. to be able to uh, to uh, understand that Western Christianity and the teachings of Jesus Christ are not synonymous mm-hmm. necessarily. And so uh, and 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 then also how people maneuver through their temptations of success. Because, see, there's trauma already being an African-American. Yes, it but is. there's an extra layer of trauma when you become successful. Mm-hmm. Success brings its own level of trauma. Yeah. When you say weaponization of Christianity, what what exactly are you referencing in that? And not trying to be negative. I'm just I'm just trying to get a clear definition of what you mean oh, when yeah. you say that. Oh yeah. Well, well, well. When you look at um, when you look at the colonizers, everything mm-hmm. was 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 from the from the bibliocentric lens of misinformation and revisionist history, where 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 it was weaponized to. Uh, keep people marginalized, to keep people oppressed, to uh, to even create a misogynistic tone to women's roles, even in Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so when you weaponize something, it uh, you become a very authoritarian in your approach to what God is, because God will be whatever is beneficial to the one that holds the weapon or 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 the tool that could be used for good or bad. It's almost like fire. Fire is good for cooking. It's good right. for being able to keep people warm and comfortable, but out of control, it can burn down a city. And so that's what Christianity throughout history from, from the crusades mm-hmm. on to the transatlantic slave trade. There were times where, uh, well, you had, cha- you even had chaplains on the slave ship. Right. Absolutely. You had white chaplains on, on the slave ship. So, so, so that does not mean that there's something uh, intuitively wrong with with the message of Jesus Christ. It's been something uh, intrinsically wrong with a lot of those that have been the microphones to be able to proclaim that faith. You know, when I when I when I talk about faith, the fifth song that I have or that I listen to. Uh, we, we we lost him in 2020. A good friend of our, you and mine. Uh, something about the name Jesus, and mm-hmm. um, Rant. you know. Um, and I remember when I interviewed you. I think the second time you was on my show, I didn't realize you wrote that song. He said, "Yeah, Rashad, yeah, I wrote that." 
And um, <laughs> and that that uh, you know whenever I'm gonna tell you that song is so important to me. Whenever you know somebody's down, Kirk, I send it to him. Somebody mm-hmm. uh, has a death in the family. I send it to them. They they don't know how to find direction in their life. I send it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Give us the, the 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 thought process in writing a song like that, and then getting it produced and having an amazing artist like him. You know, uh, and it's been re, and it's been uh, it's been remade by a couple of young ladies, and I've heard that version. I like their version too. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so, talk about that process behind that song. Well, you know, it's not much of a a headline story uh the the uh the inception mm-hmm. of of that song it was just a song that dropped in my head that i that i thought could be a nice moment and reached out to rance allen um and men of standard because i wanted to take the old school and new school and put right. it together mm-hmm. and it was just song it's a song god gave me and and the genius of Rance Allen, watching him come into the studio and to be so, so much of a surgeon, like he's a surgeon behind the microphone <laughs> and, and, and to be able to see him be uh, so fluid in his gift right, was a beautiful thing to behold. And so it was a moment that I'll never forget. And it, it and it, it was, it was a, it was a song that I would have never known at the time that would have impacted people and touched people the way it did. Would have never, would have never seen that coming. Well, you know, I saw the song. The Rance came into my life on uh, BT Celebration of the Gospel because you know Steve Harvey. That was there every year with you guys, and it was uh-huh. oh, he performed it on stage with you, and that was the first time I heard it. And it's, it, it's it's something magical because we hear music a lot, but when you hear a song from the very first word. And it stays with you and it builds with you and it takes you through these emotional ups and downs. And at the end of that song, when I heard it live in Los Angeles during that taping, I was in tears. And it, and it wasn't a negative tearing. It was a positivity of, 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 of uh, an awakening inside of yourself. Because I, I would just tell you something, Kirk, when I talk to you, man, it's always, you know, you're such a gifted young man. And I say young because I'm older than you. And it, and I say that because sometimes you're so humble that the impact you make on people of all ages needs to be, in some ways, glorified because you change people. You change the way I get up. You change the way my family impacts. My wife, she goes to church. I don't, you know. My daughter don't go to church. And so, but that doesn't mean I, 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 I uh, fail to believe in God lesser. But I know that the story I'm trying to get you allow me to uh, tell it my way. And that's what you're doing with, uh, I believe when you drop this uh, podcast, Good Words with Kurt Franklin. You're, it's just another expression of communication, like you're saying, reaching people and telling them your story and then sharing other stories. Kind of like what I'm doing with Money Making Conversations. I'm allowing exactly. them to talk a story, but in this lane. And that's really important, isn't it, Kurt? Exactly. And thank you again. And I'm just extremely appreciative to be able to be part of just a a fragment of the journey that people's uh, lives continue to take them on and that the music has allowed them to be able to see a greater God in the midst of some of the deepest and darkest days that they may go through. And, and even with the podcast, it is, there needs to be so many different conversations that can happen at the same time that that every platform does not give you the freedom to have that conversation where there may be more intellectual 
conversations that can happen through the podcast. There may be a lot more foolishness yes. that I can have fun with <laughs> and enjoy during the podcast. And so uh, it, it, it just gives you a liberty that you don't have on stage. It, it, it gives you liberty that you don't have in a recording studio. You are being able to now engage a different side of a person's life that they did not really see their faith in. Because, you know, some people's faith, a lot of times it's still mm-hmm. like a spare tire. It's something that they pull, they, something they pull out when they need it. And it's not the fabric of their daily existence. So they get frustrated when they see it not work. It's almost like, well, where is God? God don't work. I don't see. And it's like, well, it's very difficult to be able to tap into what God is and what he will do if it's only a nine-one-one situation that he continues to be postured in when it comes to your life. And so hopefully uh, even good words will let you hear from other people that you don't see in church all the time, you don't see in church platforms, give you a lens of where they are, the good, the bad, the ugly in their life, and where God has stood in with that. Wow. So we last year, because of the pandemic, you couldn't do your outdoor festival. Uh, how are we looking yeah. this year? Well, I know there's Texas. You, that's where you're based with the festival. How is it looking? Yeah. Is something you produce that you book yeah. is all out of your production company, which I'd love to talk about. We talked about that last time, becoming a true entrepreneur, uh, uh, controlling your destiny. How does it look for 2021? Oh, man, you know, we 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 will see where God leads. I'm, I, I have learned in my time on this earth, you know, uh, while, while I'm, <laughs> while I'm visiting is that, uh, you can make the plans, but God at times lasts, you yes. know? And so you have to make sure that you are surrendering your dreams and making sure that each, because here's the thing that I really believe about right. my faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'm not on your show to try to proselytize. Yeah, I'm here because I am a product of grace, of God's grace and mercy. That's the only reason why I, I get to be part of great platforms like this. Mm-hmm. You know, it ain't because I'm cute, even though I am cute. <laughs> that is not what got me here. <laughs> uh, uh, but that, 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 that we have to understand, man, that what we believe should be transferable. Mm-hmm. That it shouldn't be something that just stays with us and dies with us. That it should be something that can be part of the fragment mm-hmm. of people's daily existence. And mm-hmm. we haven't done that well as, as people of faith, we've only made Sunday morning and a Sunday suit, the epitome right. of what believing is. And so I'm mm-hmm. hoping that with everything that I'm able to do, whatever God calls me for this year is that I want to make sure that my dreams are not distractions. And so that the only way to know how to do that is to take my dreams and filter them through my faith. We well, you know the interesting, I'm going to make a little shift here. Uh, Melanie Holt was on my show recently and uh, she hosts a show called Behind Every Man. And uh, you on the show and it was, a, and I, you know, I get, I get access to everything now. You know, I'm, I'm moving up in the food chain, not Kurt, you know, they get to me <laughs> early, late, early before everybody, yeah. everything. Now you're on there with your, your, your beautiful wife, just like I mentioned my wife and how important she is to me. How I was important to do a show like that because behind every man tells us her story and the impact that she has on your life and that you have on your life and the faith as well. Mm-hmm. Why was it important to do that show with your wife? Well, it was just important for me for people to get a chance. Like I'm always looking for moments to showcase and celebrate 
this incredible woman who has always lifted me up and right. everybody uh, not at all times got a chance to see Tammy. Right. And I want to be able to celebrate her when, when there's a platform that comes my way is because I want people to understand that I am what I am because mm-hmm. of her. Right. It, 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 it is God using her as the conduit mm-hmm. that, 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 that all his blessings flow. Because if I was a single man, I probably would not be the most integral or the most responsible mm-hmm. because I would probably still be doing what single men at times do. And so a lot of times when you live that life, you are blocking the, the conversation and the covering that God wants to give us because he's not going to give you the keys to something that you're going to drive into a wall. Wow. So. Good works with uh, good words with pop with Kurt Franklin. That's right. His own podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Kurt, thank you for coming on the show, man. You know, I, I always, always appreciate always you, man, taking the time to talk to Rashawn McDonald, man, because uh, I know you're busy, man. I'm just trying to, oh, I'm just trying to be a my family. family. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But you more than that, thank man. You, you inspire me, and that, and that's why whenever you come on the show, I got to remind you, man. You know, I know, I know. People look at me as being very successful, but behind that success, and like I said, in certain situation, there is a, a good woman, but they're also good friends, and uh, and mm. you're a friend. And I know that uh, your music may you may not be talking to me as an individual, but mm-hmm. it, brother, you've saved me a many a day, man. You've saved me when I'm on the wow. road and didn't know where to go. You've saved me when I've been down and thought I was the only person in this world. You've saved wow. me when I've been successful. You've saved me. And a lot of people say successful. How can you save you? Because sometimes you need direction when you're successful because you don't have nowhere mm. to turn. And so that's the layers of life that you've given me since you've been into my life, been in my life. And I've been there. We've done TV shows together. We've done concerts together. We've done radio shows together. So I know the relationship we have is beyond just music. And uh, thank you again for coming on Money Making Conversation, man. And again, good thank words for Kurt Franklin. All major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Love you, brother. Love you too, King. <laughs> we talk soon, man. Stephen A. Smith, man. Stephen A.'s world. I'll see you soon, brother. <laughs> I'll see you soon, bro. Love you. Love you, man. We will be right back with more Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads, the Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Nick Cannon. Cited by People Magazine as one of the top 10 most successful people in Hollywood and featured on the cover of Black Enterprise Magazine, 40 Under 40, the Nick Cannon Foundation changes lives one incredible child at a time. It's all about the community for me. It's about giving other people opportunities. Uh, it's about opening doors and sharing the knowledge, wealth, and wisdom that I've obtained with everyone else. Right. I mean, you know, obviously I'm still in school. I, I want to go all the way. I'm getting my master's, want to go to my doctorate, mm-hmm. and eventually be a professor and, and teach the things that <laughs> I've picked up mm-hmm. along the way. Uh, but it's all about the community, whether it's teaching, whether it's entertaining, whether it's investing into us. That's what it's really about. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men that have strength, their vision is assertive, and they are genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald.
One of my next guests is one of my favorites, Sheila Eldridge. She's the CEO of Miles Ahead Entertainment and Broadcasting and founder of the Mocha Podcast Network. She's an HBCU graduate of Howard University, something I never knew about from the prestigious School of Communications. Her Miles Ahead Entertainment and Broadcasting is a certified multicultural marketing and public relations firm that provides the school and lifestyle marketing, event management, sponsor engagement, as well as integrated broadcast media campaigns for clients like Ford, Boost Mobile, Toyota America, AARP, and Essence Communications, just to name a few. She syndicates the highly successful Cafe Mocha radio show, the Cafe Mocha To Go digital show, and Streaming Salute, the Streaming Salute Them Awards series. I call her the queen of syndication <laughs> and busy. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Sheila Eldridge. Was that enough, Sheila? How are you? How are you? Good. How's everything going? Everything's going well. Just busy, you know, but look, in this day and time, it's a blessing to be busy. Well, you know, I never knew you were a graduate of Howard University School of Communications. And in 2020, HBCU suddenly became a a hot topic for corporate donations. Uh, Why do you think that happened in 2020 like that? I think it's always been that way. It's just that it became more known that there were more alumni that were hailing from, a more popular alumni that were hailing from HBCUs. But mm-hmm. I've always believed that part of your life's experience as an African-American is to attend an HBCU. The best years of my life were at Howard University. Uh, and I was in the School of Communications, kind of the first couple of years of the School of Communications. So, um, and the relationships that I built and that you build at an HBCU just last a lifetime. Um, My first client was as a result of my roommate at Howard University. Um, Uh So, you know, the relationships uh, and the experience um, just really kind of craft, I think, who you are, uh, you know, as an African-American in America. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of HBCUs and I see, you know, you being a voice of an HBCU is powerful. And uh, of course, you know, uh, one of your uh, alumni is going to be the next vice president of the United States. How do you feel about that? She's a female, too. I mean, she's a female. It is a coming um, evolution. Um, It's such a great feeling to know that we, number one, have an African-American female that Mm -hmm. will be a vice president. But the fact that she came from an HBCU. I think it's going to be great for universities um, across all the HBCUs, not just HU and Howard, but all of the universities, because it puts a spotlight on the education um, that is comparable with your Ivy League schools. Um, And what we have from HBCUs is that endearing kind of long relationships of the sororities and the fraternities. And just, I mean, I think it's a real powerful moment for anyone that attended an HBCU and specifically, you know, for women, you know, so. Wow. Well, you know, we always talk about your your life. Let's go back to the roots of our relationship. You know, Cafe Mocha Radio, you know, it's in over 40 markets, uh, you know, it's on Sears XM. Uh, what is the future of that show? I know Lonnie Love is the is the cornerstone. You have Yo-Yo and Angelique. Tell us about everybody about the Cafe Mocha Radio platform for women on, uh-huh. of color only. Yes, yes. Well, when we started, and thanks to you, one of the first big 
TV shows that we did and big events that we did was the Hoodie Awards. Mm -hmm. And we were so excited um, because we felt like that was in our second year. We just celebrated 10 years, by the way. Um, And you gave us that opportunity to kind of put us on in the spotlight. Um, You know, when I came up with the concept for Cafe Mocha, I did not want it to be named after any one woman. It was about women coming together to empower one another. And it really became as a result of watching a lot of what we were seeing on TV at the time with some of the reality shows that I just felt did not really depict who the full scope of who we are, African-American women. Um, Mm -hmm. So I decided let's put together a show that represents us, that we can all work together to inspire one another. And the stories of the women on the show and that the women that we honor along the way in this 10 years will hopefully inspire other women. And that's really how the show came about. Um, and we just celebrated 10 years. We've got Lonnie Love, who you know uh, is on the <laughs> wheel. Uh, and Lonnie is unique in that she's such a well-read comedian. So she yes, can go yes. from talk, having topical conversations to giving you that aha moment uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and making you feel good. Um, and then we have Yo-Yo, who's our round the way girl, who mm-hmm. represents all the sisters that are, have been there and are going through it and have made it through. Um, and she represents the West Coast, of course. And then we have Angelique Perrin, who is an amazing producer and voiceover character uh, artist um, that is she just brings the show to live alive. I mean, I'm blessed in that to have a concept and then be able to bond with three women that really bring that concept alive you know it's that's not easy and so i feel very blessed to you know have that and for us to have been together for 10 you know for 10 years so um and where are we going from here well quite honestly we'd like to take the concept to television or streaming so that's kind of where we're headed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh yes so that's where we're looking to navigate and especially now given the streaming platform has come Mm -hmm. so full circle um you know with the pandemic um that's really kind of where we're headed and you know we feel like with the mocha podcast network and then our syndication we can offer a full range for um you know for our listeners and for our advertisers yeah, before we get to the the podcast network, I want to talk about the Slute Awards because you and I were talking last year, twenty twenty, uh, about producing some of these live because before the pandemic hit, and then also we kept pushing dates and pushing dates. And we realized the pandemic's not going anywhere, and the, the ability to do live events are going to go away. And so now you have the Slute Awards; they're virtual. I'm assuming now you have three of them coming up, correct? Yes, we have the Slute Awards. They are virtual. Salute Her Awards is where we honor women. Because right. Cafe Mocha is called Radio from a Woman's Perspective. So mm-hmm. we want to put the spotlight on women from celebrities to right. uh, women who you don't know, all working in service to support the community. Um, so that's the Salute Her Awards. And that's coming up. The next one is for Women's History Month um, in March. And March 21st. In, for, in, yeah, in March 16th. Mm-hmm. And then in June, we're going to go back to salute them and we're going to celebrate black music. And Mm -hmm. so we will do salute them. Um, One of the things that came about, and this is thanks to someone that we know, Rashawn McDonald, (laughs) um, is that we needed to do more to honor the full spectrum of our community. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to alienate men. And Mm -hmm. so as a result, we decided 
that if we did salute them, then we are honoring women, men, and organizations that all have a common goal of serving the community. Mm -hmm. um, and so the Salute Them Awards will be in June, and then we go in back in September, where we do it in conjunction with the Congressional Black Caucus, and that will be the Salute Her Award. So we kind of go back and forth, but the common denominator is that we are saluting and paying tribute to people, organizations that are making a difference in our culture and in our community. I know you do a lot of marketing and um, event production for the Essence platform, a particular Essence Music Festival, Essence Festival, I apologize. Last year was canceled. Actually, it was pushed a little bit, and then they realized that because of the pandemic, it's, we should avoid it altogether. Uh, any word yet has been announced that it's going to come back in New Orleans in the summertime or during the 4th of July weekend, or that's still on hold? That's still on hold. I think a lot is going to be determined based on the first quarter, Q1 of mm -hmm. this year. Um, and how New Orleans and how Louisiana develops. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, I would venture to say it will probably be virtual again. But let's hope so, not. Um, but know, to bring that, thing you know, about it grown to half a million people. That's a lot. Absolutely. And that, and then on that multi-day event on Fourth of July, it was like a, a rite of passage. A lot of times, I know you go down there. You, Girl, you been to Essence? Come on down. Let's go. Yeah. True black experience. And a lot of people don't know it had a diverse draw as well. It wasn't always one hundred percent African Americans that attended the Essence Festival. It was really diverse in a lot of ways. Let's talk about the whole virtual versus live event experience because that's a different sale. That's a different approach. You can't count people. And actually, in some ways, when you go virtual, it becomes an international event because it's not really tied to that particular market or that particular city that you're doing the event. And just we're just talking about people who listen to the show. This is money making conversation. What are some of the hoops you've had to jump or some of the changes you have to do to your platform to encourage advertisers to experience the virtual platform versus the traditional live event platforms? I have to tell you that I am really um, surprised and happy that corporations have started to pivot, you right. know, with the production because um, we do events. And I was really concerned that some of our sponsors, you know, had a concern about going virtual, but mm -hmm. they see the value now of reaching like far more people, mm -hmm. um, your social media, your digital, all your promotions. Um, for them, it's, it's broadening their brand and it's, it's even better than the actual events, the actual in-person events, because, you know, my plan is to go back to in-person events in 2022, if that mm -hmm. we can do that. But my sponsors like the virtual experience and are saying, maybe you should stay in this space and really grow this space. And so that's what we're looking to do. We might, you know, we'll probably go back and do some in-person events, but I have to tell you that this virtual space is very intriguing because ultimately, like I said, my goal is to go to television or to go to more, you know, some of the streaming services. Um, and this has kind of escalated that process into moving in that area. Um, so you got to have a great production team. I'm learning production very fast um, and, and, and a good editor um, and, you know, and, and concepts and, and great writers. Well, you know that. I mean, you've been right. doing this. You were ahead of the game on all of this. So um, but we're all catching up. But yes, I like this virtual space. 
Well, I, I love it because, like I said, uh, you know, if you do a event in Atlanta in a venue, if it's a thousand people or two thousand people that attended the event, that's all who saw it. That's all who saw it. Where now, when you go virtual, I, I, my whole thing, because I was doing it with the neighborhood, I was streaming live and do the live event. So I'm saying do both. Because you don't want to lose that international growth. It's, it's, it's fun to see the people in Australia or Spain or South Africa or the Caribbean watching your brand grow. And it has a, it has a big plus there. So I would say keep both. Keep growing your brand because you are an international brand and uh, you only benefit by being bigger. We, I'm surprised at the people that are, you know, responding to us <laughs> from other countries, you know, especially in Africa. Which is very interesting, you know. Uh, and Ireland loves you too, by the way. Just let you know that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about my favorite. I've been waiting to talk about this because I want to talk about each one of these shows. I hope you know them all because I want to talk about every last one. Your podcast. Oh, okay. Your podcast, because it has so many names on here and people that I know. But let's talk. Let's start with this one that really caught my eye: the funky, the two fun, the two funny mamas hosted by Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley, two of my favorite people. I know they were doing it on the uh, Tom Joyner show before he ended his syndication, so he just snapped them up, huh? Yes. Well, they had started, you know, doing the podcast. And they um, really needed, well, well, first what I found is that most people that have podcasts haven't figured out how to monetize it, number one, mm -hmm. and number two, how to really, you know, put it into a business and really develop it. Um, and so for Sherry and for Kim, who were, you know, very busy uh, with their other careers and everything, what we did was help them kind of put a structure to it. And it has done extremely well. Um, and that's just an extension of, you know, they say, well, you know, black women can't always work together, can't have too many women, you know, right. but I don't subscribe to that because all the women that I've worked with and work with, um, we just make it work. You know, we kind of fit in with what we have to do to make it work. And, um, and so they wanted to join the podcast network as one of the lead podcasters. And it's been great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's been a great experience. We started out, we've already got sponsors on board and, you know, and they're excited and everything. So yes, those ladies, and it's a funny podcast, but it's, it's life. It's about, you know, the podcast network is really a lifestyle network for women of color. Um, so, and they bring that to it, you know, giving their children and their careers and everything. Yeah, yeah, both of them are single moms. That's yeah. uh, that's that, and we know the population of single moms keeps seems unfortunately seems to be growing every year. And they're looking for guidance. They're looking to be entertained. So it's it sells itself there. But Kim is amazingly funny, and I've known her all the way back to my parenthood sitcom writing days. Same thing with Sherry Shepard. I met her when I was doing Jamie Foxx as a as a co executive producer of that show. But the podcast uh, Mocha Podcast Network is a platform bringing authentic voices and perspective of multicultural talent including entertainers, which you just said, Shepard and Sherry Shepard and Kemp Whitley, journalists, experts with the following shows. Now, I'm assuming that the Funky Divas podcast hosted by Invogue. Now, how did... Which Invogue members do you have? Okay. We, <laughs> <laughs> we have Terry Ellen. My girl. Cindy, who, yes, who HBCU, by the way. Yep, and absolutely. Kim was HBCU, too. Um, mm -hmm. And then we have Cindy Heron Braggs. And then we have Rona Bennett. And you might know Rona from the Jamie Foxx show. Rona was absolutely. on the Jamie Foxx show. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so they have been, I mean, they've been a trio. A lot of people don't know, but they've been a trio for almost 17 years. Wow. You know, is the newest member. But they're celebrating their 30th. They were last year they celebrated their 30th anniversary. And mm-hmm. um, the idea for the podcast, you know, I went to them and said, look, you need to tell your story to stay together for 30 years. And they've been through, we know they've been through some changes. Mm-hmm. They've been mm-hmm. through some you know, experiences, you know, you need to tell your story because other people need to hear that and your fans need to hear that and other young groups need to hear that and other mm-hmm. females need to hear how you have kind of stayed in here and, and gotten through this. And so that's really what the podcast is about. It was a celebration of their 30th anniversary and it was so well received that, you know, it's just now taken off. You know, we're, um, they'll be doing every, you know, we've been doing it once a month. Now we're doing it every two weeks and just, you know, and they're really getting into it and they're speaking from their perspective and very honestly from their perspective. So, yeah, we call it the Funky Divas because that's what In Vogue is known for is the Funky Divas. Well, I like it because when you start talking about singing group, female singing groups, you know, it's the Supremes to me, it's In Vogue and then it's Destiny's Child. Those are the three, you know, that uh, to me are legendary, that resonate. And so to have their voices not being silent. And that's what this podcast is all about, giving authentic voices. That's what you were talking about. People who are talking from a point of reference can give career advice, give advice about the lows of success when it does not happen and, right. the, and, and when you're at the peak of the game. But uh, more, more important is the longevity. 30 years, that's a long time. And I know those people. So you got a lot of HBCU people. I'm, I forget that uh, Lonnie Love is a prayer of your a and HBCU people. I think uh, Kim Whitley yeah. from Fisk. Kim is Fisk. Yes, mm-hmm. Tennessee, Tennessee. Hey, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell you, I know all these people you got on your show, which I love. I love. Now, now let's go to back to my girl, the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast, hosted by Jackie Reed. How'd you get Jackie on the radio in the podcast no. world? <laughs> you know, I did not realize that there were so many African Americans and Black folks that are vegan. Yes. And um, when I talked to Jackie, and she told me kind of how she came up with the idea, she lost a dog, her dog mm. passed. And I think it, you know, what she realized is how important it is what you feed and what you put in your body. And mm. she said that she just kind of went on that journey of veganism and now she's in it. Um, and I'm surprised. She gave me a recipe for some greens that had <laughs> no meat at all. And when I tell you those greens were good. So um, she is, she has her podcast and we're excited about that. And um, we're going to be doing a, um, she's going to be doing a series of panel discussions with mm-hmm. African-Americans, you know, in addition, that are celebrities that are vegans. And understanding that it's a difference between a vegetarian and a vegan. I didn't realize that. So um, it's it's exciting. And of course, you know, Jackie is, um, you know, just a, a journalist, a great journalist. So she brings mm-hmm. a lot of new information, you know, to the podcast. Now, one of my favorite people you have is Brashan Shaw. Uh, superpower, my girl. Tell me how that relationship was created because uh, I interviewed her recently on Money Making Conversations. She's a, and she's an inspiration to me personally. And to have her on her show motivating people and telling them there is a tomorrow when people tell you there isn't a, there might not be a tomorrow. I think to me, what she represents on your network is uh, amazing. Talk about that relationship. Yeah, she, she came, actually, I didn't really know her. I knew of her. 
-hmm. one of our affiliates, WBLS in New York, mm -hmm. he told her, you need to connect with Sheila Eldridge. And yes. he told me we needed to connect. And she and I just connected. And it was like we had known one another for years, you know. Um, and that's kind of how we connected was through um, a, a radio, one of my radio affiliates. And she's she's amazing. I mean, she she's she's a doer. I mean, she just goes and gets it done, and she can just inspire people. So um, she's very very. I mean, she's very special. So you know. I'm oh no, she's really a cancer awesome. survivor, and uh, she's a superwoman. Yeah. Four times cancer survivor. And so when somebody's delivered that that information to you that many times, and you still as upbeat as she is, and still forward thinking as she is, uh, that podcast is a is a is a definitely listen to because it's not about uh, the fact that she's a cancer survivor. She's letting you know that when people give you direct you know dramatic messages or information that you feel may not uh, have, allow you to have the life that you want to have, what do you do? And she her message is keep going. Keep planning, keep living your dreams, and keep accelerating to the next page of success. That's why I love, and I love the the, the diversity of. In, in, when, when I'm looking, at, you got a vegan host, you got Miss Shaw, and then Dia Direct. I haven't heard Dia. She is she still based out of Dallas? Yep, she's still based out of Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's you know she's dealing with mental health. She's dealing with mm -hmm. relationships, uh, and, and 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 mental and mental health and menopause. Okay, mm. <laughs> she mm. said, "Can I talk?" I said, "Yes." That's this network is a lifestyle network, and there are a lot of women going through menopause. So we yes, need to have the conversation, definitely. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, and you know, Dia, um, mm -hmm. you know, she is very direct. Uh, yes, and uh, we we excited, uh, you know, with her podcast. But you're right. Um, the goal is that you. All the podcasters have been curated. So mm -hmm. we, our philosophy is it's more equality versus quantity mm -hmm. on the network. And that you can come to this network um, in a week and listen to the different podcasts and get a full, you get some laughter. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, whenever a person hears the word cancer, you get, you're nervous, mm -hmm. you know. So you can, Sean, you can listen and then it help you through that. And then if you're going through relationships, you know, and then if you're not sure about, I want people to be able to come and, and listen to the different podcasts and be able to have a nice full experience and leave, you know, saying, okay, I'm good. You know, I've got inspired. I can make it and I'll be back next week. That's really the the purpose of what we're trying to do. I'm going to tell you something, you know, I'm, Sheila, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm one of your Top fans in this business. I always tell you, you're amazing. You are my, my mentors. That's for sure. You and your wife. I love you to death. You and, know, uh, you all are a, a real mentors, and you all have been so straight with me, you know, and honest with me, you know. Because you're 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 unique talent. When I look at all this, you're talking about these are careers, you know, because you have iHeart, you have a lot of podcast platforms out there. And it's a very competitive medium. And these people are trusting your brand. That's why I've always told you that, you know, you're special from a standpoint. You've created a voice, a channel. And then to build this out like this seems like the sky is unlimited for you in this podcast or genre, especially when you're talking about women of color who need a voice. Sometimes you don't get that on local radio anymore. You definitely don't get it on streaming platforms and things like that. So what? What lanes? And I, 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 I forgot my girl, Rolanda Watts. How I, how could I forget Rolanda Watts? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that is one of my favorite people. I can't believe. I, I'm so happy you got on this platform, Rolanda Watts. 
Yeah, she's something. I, you know, she's another one that I've known for a long time from you know her TV show and just mm-hmm. you know various her acting and things that she's done. Um, and so when I approached her, I was like, well, you know, look, you can't hurt the ass, okay? Right, right. You know, I was really. She said, you know, I like this. I can see what you're trying. Yes, I, I want to be on this platform. Yes, I like this. Um, and so she came on board. And I was nervous, you know, because when mm-hmm. I went to these women, like you said, it's pretty competitive out there. Um, but we're, that's the reason why we're niche. You know, I, 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 I'm about um, empowering women. I like being in the background. Um, I like starting. I like startups and growing businesses and growing platforms um, and empowering women. That's our platform. And so. I just stay with what we do and who we are uh, in our lane and we just keep driving through. And we have a, a nice group of advertisers now that we've developed mm-hmm. over the last 10 years that they're with us. They've seen the results and they take the, the chance with us. And so that's what's unique about this network, too, is that we're, you know, we're starting out with advertisers that are supporting as well by virtue of the relationship that we've had in syndication for the last 10 years. So I'm excited about that. Um, but yeah, Rolanda was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. So, so, oh, it's yeah. a, so now yeah. you can see how it's a nice rounded out group. Oh, of, it's uh, awesome. Like I said, I've been, I looked up and go, I can't believe I forgot Rolanda Watts. That is, like I said, all these people I love. Miss Shaw, Dear Direct, Jackie Reed. You got my boy, the B-Lifted with uh, Alfred Edwin and DC Marshall. Rolanda Watts, who, one of my dearest friends in Vogue. That, oh my goodness. Sherry Shepard, Kim Willie. And then you got the, the traditional Cafe Mocha Radio is also on your podcast platform with Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo, and Angelique, correct? Correct, correct. Because it's so much, you know, with radio, with terrestrial radio, the breaks have to be so short. And mm-hmm. there's so much that gets cut. And that's great conversation that can go into the podcast. So we say what you don't hear on the radio, you can go to the podcast and get the Backstory. I love it. I love it. Now, before I go, I want to talk about this this uh, Cafe Mocha virtual digital series. What exactly? That's the first time I've heard that. I always try to be in the loop with you, and now you create a new digital series of the Cafe Mocha to the Gold, Salute Her, Soul Sessions, and Chic Boutique. What exactly is all that? Well, the you know, because with the whole pandemic, I found that more people obviously were on the digital, on the platforms, Facebook mm-hmm. and all social media platforms. And, you know, the talent for the radio show is talent that they have other, you know, TV and careers. And so they stay true to the radio show. Um, But what we decided to do was is to take uh, topical conversations um, and have a host that's been a long host with us as an ambassador, Vanessa James. A lot of Mm -hmm. people don't know she's out of Miami um, and social media ambassador. She's been with us for a while and let Vanessa host. A, it's a little 10-minute segment show that's on Facebook called Cafe Mocha To Go. And it's what's trending. It's what people are talking about. Uh, it might be, you know, certain subjects. We did a lot, obviously, when, you know, the voting season. Um, and it's hosted by Vanessa James. And so it's, a, it's an extension of the Cafe Mocha brand. But it, it's a quick little catch that you can get all the little news and everything from our perspective, from a woman's perspective and Cafe Mocha perspective. So, you know, we're growing our brand. Um, you know, it, it's got to be, uh, I say, you have to be a village. Um, and so part of our village is Vanessa with Cafe Mocha to go. And then when we moved into the virtual space with Salute Her, 
so many people responded and said, well, who else have you honored? And, right. you know, I want to know more about, you know, the, how, how can a person get nominated to be honored? And, and so what we decided to do was start Soul Sessions. And the Soul Sessions is on Facebook. And it's hosted by one of our past honorees, Cheryl Pilat Williamson, um, who is an amazing speaker. Um, and so she interviews past Salute Her honorees. Because when we were doing events over the last 10 years, people didn't know a lot of our honorees. Mm -hmm. So this way, we're able to feature some of our past honorees. So that's what the soul sessions are. They are conversations from the heart on how women have kind of, you know, um, forged through life. Um, and, and, and their story, everyone has a story, like you said, and their story hopefully will inspire someone else. And then we have our, you know, I love John Murray. Um, we have the cafe, we have the Chic Boutique. And that is a show where we feature um, small businesses and not just female owned small businesses, mm -hmm. but, you know, unique, one of a kind small businesses, things that you can't products and services that you can't get in the big stores that you could only get on these, you know, uh, these little boutiques. And so that is a um, we just launched that in November and that will run straight through um, next year. And that's hosted by John Mary. So that's it. We're just creating little vignettes, and that's a 30 minute uh, show where we're featuring small businesses. Well, my friend, uh, we just turned 21, 21. Uh, you're busy. Uh, I'm sure, as, as we all know, it's only going to get busier for you because you're one of those people like me. If it's a great idea, you're going to turn it into a executable idea. And that's the brand of uh, what you've developed with Miles Ahead Entertainment and Broadcasting. Uh, again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, make sure I get all my social media calls so I can promote your events. You know, I support you in all those different lanes because you're special. And I'm going to always be a big fan of yours. With the Swag Awards? Huh? Can we talk about the swag award? Oh, well, you know, it went on a piece of paper. I didn't know. You know, I, you know, I talk about swag award. Stop. That's my show. That's my show. Come on now. One thing that you have taught me is collaboration. Oh, collaborations are to grow your brand. Mm -hmm. And so I'm proud that we're now going to go into our second year of our collaboration on the swag awards. And the swag awards is where, you know, we honor men. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and it's hosted, of course, with Money Making Conversations, and it's hosted <laughs> by you. So I just want to thank you for that. And uh, we've got some big ideas that will be coming as we look to grow, you know, mm -hmm. our swag awards and everything. But thank you for being a mentor. Thank you for all you do to promote small businesses and HBCUs. Um, but we're excited, and thank you, you know, just for hanging in there with us and giving, you know, Cafe Mocha and Miles Ahead Broadcasting and Entertainment, you know, some of the insights that have made you so successful. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't going to bring up the Swag Award. You know I'm going to deliver those every week because I, I love your platform. It comes on in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, on uh, 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 Magic 107.5. I listen to it every Sunday. And so I, I'm just happy. Yeah, I even run commercials during that time slot to promote my uh, money-making conversation platform. And so I realize it's relationships and, and I, I respect what you do and I will continue to deliver the Swag Awards. And as you say, it's a partnership. I send you 
names. You said, Rashawn, this will work on my platform. Don't work on the platform. And I'm fortunately blessed that so many people do my show now and they give us a nice options for you to be able to deliver on your platform. The type of uh, men age-wise and executable and, and everyday dads, because we want to promote that as well as celebrities and well-known entrepreneurs. So I, I appreciate you. And thank you for letting me get my little hype on for uh, <laughs> oh, your show. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much, Sheila Eldridge. Thank you. I was like, we gotta get the swag in there. Well, you know, I, I didn't see it on the paper, you know. I don't want to push nothing, but uh, believe me, I'm proud every week I do it. Uh, it's a priority for me and my staff, the Swag Awards, because more and more black men need to be recognized and to be recognized on a platform for women of color. That's what's so impressive to me, because the fact that, you know, there's so many mis, uh, misnomers and misstatements about relationships right. and uh, being that platform and being to say the positive side. And it just becomes a snowball effect. And so, yes, anytime you need me for that. But of course, I represent for all your platforms. So thank you very much again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And be careful and be safe down there. I have to. My next guest is a well-known athlete. Let's go with an athlete. Because sometimes when you're an athlete, people won't just keep you over there. His name is Sheldon Williams, the former NBA lottery pick and Duke University Hall of Fame player. We're discussing his career from Oklahoma City to the NBA. In between all that was a little unknown school called Duke University. <laughs> his life after basketball and how he inspires to give back to the community. That's really why I want him on this show. We hear a lot of things about athletes and we only hear one side of the story. The Sheldon Williams Foundation is dedicated to empowering student athletes and their families by delivering and supporting initiatives that provide emotional and physical health through sports, education, and community involvement. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation for the very first time, the athlete, Sheldon Williams. How are you doing, Sheldon? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. We know, I, I emphasize athlete because somehow along the way, you guys get diminished. You get diminished on your ability to communicate. You're diminished on your education abilities, your articulation. How do you how do you overcome the athlete stereotype as you move forward in life, Sheldon? Well, it's interesting that you ask that. I mean, until LeBron was probably more the most forefront athlete that sit there and say, don't put us in a box. Mm -hmm. Make sure that we know we are more than what we do, whether we playing football, dribbling basketball, we're more than that. And I think uh, that was the first time they actually like said it out loud, I guess, and made it more of a worldly thing. Right. But before then, it was always kept in a box, like, all right, this is what you do, and this is pretty much it. So a lot of people now are kind of bringing themselves on the main screen like, hey, this is what I use to get to this point. But the overall me, this is X, Y, and Z. And I try to use my social platform to let people know this is what I do. Not just what I did in the past or what you know me as. This is all me. I'm going to share you a little piece of my life, Sheldon, because, you know, I am uh, a sitcom writer, stand-up comedian, did Def Jam and all that. And one of the bigger components of my life was I managed Steve Harvey. And I bring that up because of the fact that, you know, we had a ride together like 16 years and, you know, won Emmys together, uh, Image Awards together and uh, box office movies, Family Feud, uh, hit books. And when I walked away and started to develop my own career, I kind of was still trapped into that world. And so, 
I, I bring that up because as an NBA lottery pick and at the highest level that an athlete can perform, and that is as a basketball player, you want to make an NBA. How were you able to make that transition? Because a lot of people kept you in that bottle of being an NBA player or what's going wrong? Why are you not still playing in the NBA? Talk to us through that that that, that emotional uh, release of trying to build your brand, the Sheldon Williams brand. Well, that's always kind of a, I wouldn't say difficult path. It just, it's, it's a path that you haven't done. Yes. Because um, you've been all your life been trying to be this athlete that you inspire to be, whether you looked up to Michael Jordan or mm-hmm. any other guys that play in your 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 position or your sport, you aspire to be those guys. And then once that timeline is pretty much ended, it's like, okay, what do I do now? So hopefully within that one to two years before it, it does actually end, mm-hmm. you kind of start thinking about my next move, my next plan. And it's always hard because you always think that this is what's going to be for a lot of number of years. Right. And it's not always like that. So for me, when I actually started to think about retiring, I wind up saying, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to go ahead and do something that, one, keeps me active with my daughter, who's now 11, mm-hmm. as well as keep me within the game of basketball. And I was able to, and fortunate enough to actually be a scout for the Brooklyn Nets on the West Coast. I did that for about three years before I said, I want to try my hand into coaching mm-hmm. and, you know, be more hands-on than actually, you know, kind of be in the back front office type. Well, you know, um, the death of Kobe, um, you know, was still the shock. And I, I remember I went to L.A. after his death and uh, it was like ghost town, man. I had never seen L.A., which is like party central, which is like glitz, which is glamour which is, uh, as they say, Hollywood. And then you mentioned your daughter, you know, daddy's girl. You know, I have a single, I'm a, I'm a father and I have a daughter. So, you know, the importance of a, of that role that you play and, and guiding, I, I'm, a, I, I all, I'm always available for her to have a comment. And then you see what happens to Kobe and that, that whole daddy girl syndrome got, did you get caught up in that? Did you realize your role that you have in, in, in with your daughter who's 11 now? Well, I got caught up in it because one, my daughter was actually doing things with uh, Gigi's team wow. and the team underneath Gigi's team at the Mamba Academy. Mm-hmm. So she was familiar with both of those you know, people. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, it kind of hit a little bit closer. I mean, obviously it was sad for anybody to go down like that, mm-hmm. whether it be a name, well-named person or just anybody. Mm-hmm. But what really hit me was the girls that were around my age, my daughter's age, not able to actually live their life right, and got cut short. Mm-hmm. And talking to her about it, it really hit home for me. I'm like, dang, like literally these are somebody that you was actually in the academy, my mama academy practicing with, practicing against. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they're gone. And it's very sad for that to happen. But that right there kind of hit closer to home to me because of the little girls that were around my, my daughter's age. I was actually around my daughter as well. Right. You know, my, my, I bring up my daughter because she was a professional athlete. You know, she was a, a tennis prodigy, you know, so she was homeschooled. And uh, she played on the tennis tour, professional tennis tour, and then she blew out her knee. And um, and when she blew out, I always remember, like, the week before Thanksgiving, and uh, she asked me, she said, Dad, what do you – she, Dad, can I, can I do something else? 
And I said, what you want to do? She said, I want to go to college. And you being an athlete and, you know, you just as a gifted athlete, you know, smart guy from Oklahoma City. Like you said, you you went from university to varsity. Do you feel that you were ever pushed along or did anybody ever stop and ask Sheldon what he wanted in the early years? Or you just positioned to be this great athlete and you had no other option? Well, growing up, my dad, he played basketball. He played in college as well. Mm-hmm. But for me and my younger brother, he didn't want us to follow in his footsteps. He wanted us to kind of find our own path. Right. Granted, my dad's 6'8", my mom is 5'11". Right. I was going to be in our future. So um, I went from playing baseball, mm-hmm. soccer, and football, because Oklahoma is a big football state. Absolutely. And then, what's that? I said, absolutely. You come to Oklahoma City. Come on now. Oklahoma, right, come on right, now. Right, right, And then I went to basketball. Uh-huh. So I started playing basketball and football all the way up until my freshman year, where I got moved up to the high school team, because back home, ninth grade was still junior high. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do both those things. But honestly, with my dad, he wanted us to find our own path. And then once we actually found our own path, he was all right, this is what you want to do. Are you sure? All right, all right, if you're going to do this, then this is what we need to do to get better every year. And he kind of laid out guidelines for me and my younger brother to follow if you want to be successful in that sport. Well, you know, because we're going to talk about your foundation, but I'm just kind of getting everybody a, a sense of who you are, you know, your story, because the fact that you're a gifted athlete, you know, there are some steps that go through the process that you can get pushed along. I know that, you know, as my daughter got better, you know, specialized coaches are coming around, you know, I was, you know, I, because they wanted to fix his, fix her, her backhand, you know, fix her serve, you know, fix her ground strokes and all that. But, but that's that period. And now fast forward, Sheldon. The, the IMG academies, you have uh, social media. What was the worst thing you had to deal with when you were coming out of high school that the players have to deal with today? You know, because technology has to be the one thing. Is it social media or is it is it the academies? Is it the, the, uh, the circuits? What is it? Well, for me, I kind of missed that area, the era, because mm-hmm. they didn't come until later on where right. the whole social media platforms mm-hmm. and the IMGs was kind of later on in my high school career. Mm-hmm. They kind of kind of made it big time. But when I was actually growing up, if you had any kind of success, it was in the you know front page of newspaper. Right. So people reading that, and then all of a sudden, people circling, you know, every time they play against you, that, hey, you know, you got a target on your back. Right. So <laughs> it's kind of minor compared to what it is with the social media. But if you read the paper or your parents got the paper and your pictures on the front page of that sports section, people start paying attention to who you are. Right. And then all of a sudden, your name kind of circulates throughout your whole area and people try to come after you from that. You know, because now because you know social media exists now, and it's like certain people shouldn't be certain people shouldn't be on social media. You know that too, Sheldon. Certain people should be cut off. You know, they they Twitter to cut uh, Donald Trump. They need to be cutting some of these athletes. So as you because you're a mentor now, you're a mentor. You as one of those been there, done that. Uh, uh, the success is part of your resume. Uh, Duke University Hall of Famer. What? what you know, and I'm gonna tell you this, Sheldon. I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of yours because you were just so good in college and you played for Duke. You know, I'm gonna just tell you, I love you as a man, as a person, because Duke was just man. How did you pick Duke, man? You in Oklahoma, football country, UT right there, University of Texas is right there. You know what I'm saying? How did you go way over to Duke to play basketball? 
Well, that's a question that I got asked a lot when I was leaving the state of Oklahoma. Like, my high school teammate went to OU, my high school AU teammate went to OU, so they tried to do, like, a package deal. Right. Have all three of us go. You know, kind of like, you know, Oklahoma boys stay in Oklahoma, which was cool. But you're trying to tell me the best of both worlds, Duke academics right. and Duke basketball, and you have a chance to go there? Mm-hmm. How does that compare? Like my, my dad was a big educator. So right. education was very high on our list of schools when we actually looking for schools to play for. Mm-hmm. So to have the best of both worlds, it didn't compare Duke, Texas, Duke, OU. It didn't, you know, any of the big 12 <laughs> schools it didn't compare. What's this shit? Stop, Rashawn, stop. It was no comparison, brother. Okay, UT, maybe. OU, no way. Duke, uh, exceptional university. Because a lot of people, when you when you see a powerhouse like a Duke, you tend to throw them in a pot and forget the academics that comes with a school like Duke. Tell us about the academic standards that they have there and why Duke is such a, a, a strong academic school. Well, the academic standards was, like I said, one of the major reasons why I chose that. Like my dad, as I said before, was a big educator. Mm-hmm. So he stressed education on us all the time. With him being a, a teacher, mm-hmm. we had assignments and projects all year round. Right. So whatever we had going on for school, if we didn't have homework, best believe that my dad came home like, all right, well, we got this project to do, or you got to read for an hour on this book right here. So it was always him pushing us to do something to further us along mm-hmm. with our education. So mm-hmm. once we got to do it was the same thing where you're in classes, you're in study hall, you're in all kinds of study groups that kind of make yourself, you know, put yourself in, in good position to actually be successful. So a lot of the times where you think you may not know something, Duke did a good job of having people accessible to talk to, to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, just, just with the education alone, we know that if you got a piece of paper from Duke, Right. It's going to set you up for, you know, whatever you want to do later on. Now, when, when, when you talk about yourself, sir, as, as a player, you know, when do you start making a conscious decision that it's time to move on when you're an athlete? You know, because that's the hardest decision, you know, because of the fact that it's something some ways you don't plan for an exit. How do you know? Which, and, and also the second question is that when did the Sheldon Williams Foundation get started? Was it during your playing days or after you left the plan, after you left the court? Well, it was always in my mind, the Shelton Williams Foundation was always in my mind to do. I just didn't have time to do it because once I got done playing, I had my daughter, you know, the whole off season. So with me playing, my daughter was getting older and was like, Daddy, how come you're always away? And that kind of got to me because like, she doesn't understand we're trying to make a living for her. All she sees is, Daddy is on a road trip or daddy's gone for whatever amount of days. That's all she's seeing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of got to me. And that's why I kind of like retired a little bit early because I was like, you know what? You're right. Some things are more important mm-hmm. and you are more important. So I wind up retiring early so I can spend extra time with her. And as I said before, I kind of, you know, got into a job where I was still able to do basketball with their West Coast scouting mm-hmm. and then be with her. Mm-hmm. But kind of going back to the question about the Sheldon Williams Foundation, that was something I had already in mind. It was just a matter of doing it. So mm-hmm. once I retired, I want to say it took about a year before I started doing anything about it because that whole year I took off, 
it was just about me and my daughter. Right. And I was making sure that I was doing like, you know, ballet classes and you know, <laughs> recitals and, you know, all those other things that I didn't think of myself doing, but I'm over here front row, you know, doing all that stuff. Like, right. you know, uh, just kind of being with her and making up for lost time and everything. But I wanted to do that because one, I grew up, my mom was big into doing charity, mm-hmm. foundation, whatever you want to call it, nonprofit type work. Growing up, when I was doing Ronald McDonald House, mm-hmm. I was doing Feed the Homeless, Mobile Meals. Mm-hmm. Those things were already instilled in me. It was just a matter of back, you know, a matter of just getting me back into the swing of things and getting the opportunity to actually fully invest myself in doing that. And that's why I started Shelter Wheels Foundation about two years ago. Okay, now you said the Shelter Wheels Foundation is dedicated to empowering student athletes and their family by delivering and supporting initiatives that promote emotional and physical health. Let's stop right there. I got the physical health. What is the emotional and physical health through sports, education, and community involvement? Talk to us about that. Well, as you see a lot of kids nowadays, they're dealing with a lot more than, I wouldn't say a lot more. I think it's more addressed now than it was back when I played. Because right. if you had any kind of situation where off-court problems or, you know, uh, family issues, once you got on the court, a lot of coaches play, hey, do this. If you can't do it, I'll find somebody else that does that, 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 that would do that. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward for all these years, like, hey, I noticed that you're not being yourself come over and talk to me, what's going on? You know, getting to that point where like, you know what, you're more than just, you know, an athlete. Mm-hmm. You're a human being, you're mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. So I wanna make sure that I, I'm tied to what you're doing as well mm-hmm. and talking to you as a human being and not just a person that comes, and not just like a, a factor that comes in and out. You know how it is with sports where things change so fluidly, like everybody's coming in and out. I wanna make sure that you know that I'm here to talk. This is beyond basketball. It's really important because, like I said, I, I can relate to a lot of the things that you're talking about because my wife was with my, you know, she she retired. She was a, a practicing uh, optometrist and she retired so my daughter could travel and make sure that a stranger wasn't tied to my daughter, making sure my daughter was, uh, you know, not being mistreated physically because, like you're saying, as an athlete, people will push you and guess what? And guess what? And, and, and push you beyond because I, I see so many stories about tremendous athletes who failed because they were put in situations that were uncomfortable and they didn't have mentors or they refused to tell their parents what was going on out of fear. What made you survive? Because I, I love the way you keep bringing up your parents. Yo. This whole conversation during this interview with doing Shelton, you constantly mention your parents. That really is the key to you and who you are today, right? Your parents. Uh, of course. I mean, my parents is what made me who I am today. Me and my younger brother, who I am today, or who mm-hmm. we are today, should I say. Like, if they wasn't able to instill those things into us, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be where we are right now or what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a big credit to what they did for us growing up. Mm-hmm. And now it's more so like, hey, you see a version of them in us as we are doing things that we're trying to do later on down life. So I would say, like, you know, me always mention my parents. There's a reason for that because they play and still are playing a big factor in my life. Now, here's the interesting thing about both our lives. We're black men, Sheldon. And um, and I tell people, I, you know, I got to go back, you know, to George Floyd. And like I said, you and I both know 
that we are, uh, I can speak for myself. A, a cop stops me for anything. My flags go up. I, I, I don't feel comfortable, especially at night. I don't really feel comfortable at all. And so is that part of the education process that you're talking about, the community involvement process that you're talking about, trying to uh, develop relationships for young black men and female uh, young ladies can be able to get through life and sports is just one of the tools that they can get them out of the neighborhood or giving them positive options because the world sees us for who we are based on the color of our skin. I don't care what anybody says. The color of our skin creates a different conversation. How do you correlate that within your your foundation, the Sheldon Williams Foundation? Sadly, that is a talk that we constantly have to have for people that look like you and me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we have to do every time. And it's, it's sad to say, but we have to continue to do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff, especially this year, has been more and more recorded, seen, you know, going viral, whatever that you're saying or whatever you think it is, it's been going on for decades and decades, but yet we're seeing more and more almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And a conversation that that needs to continue to happen for people that look like us has to be a forefront conversation because if you're not blessed enough to come from, like where I came from, a two-parent home, Right. You know, where I was able to have these conversations daily about what to do in these situations. A lot of these kids don't have that. So having somebody that actually can talk them through these things so they're not another statistic ended up like the people you mentioned, which is sad to say, but that's how it is for us living nowadays. I know it's you know because because we're having a real conversation now you know and I'm not saying we didn't have one earlier, but because of the fact that you and I both know you know you know you're a taller black man than me you know which means that I, I do as successful as I have been in my life I've walked by saw white women clutch their bags I've saw them look at me in a, a manner that I think that they fear that I was going to do something uh, and I'm and I'm in tailored suits. I've walked into places and people have questioned with a, with a look as to why I'm in that facility or why I'm in that restaurant or why am I walking down that street? You know, and uh, but with that being said, you know, athletes has always proven to be a, a vehicle of, of change, a vehicle of opportunity. But like we also stated with LeBron, he's trying to peel back this. We are only there to do a service. And that's a physical service. And I feel that's part of what you're trying to do with the Sheldon Williams Foundation, correct? You're more than delivering a physical service. You are, you're, you're, you're developing people who are taxpayers, who are going to get education, who are going to make a difference in the community. That seems to be the core of the Sheldon Williams Foundation. Am I correct? Yes. I mean, uh, you kind of pretty much hit it on the head for a lot of these youth that I'm trying to help and give back and give opportunities to a lot of the undeserving, you know, families and people that want to be able to get out of situations they are in right now. I mean, you kind of said it already, how you being tailor suits, me, I already have kind of a two strikes against me being tall and black. Right. So a lot of <laughs> when I'm walking down the street, you do see those things. And I'm, I'm a guy that I'm not necessarily over, you know, joyous and I'm walking around like if I know you then it's something different or but right. if I'm walking around I'm very very stoic right. all of a sudden like people 
would take that as a sign of, you know, I don't know, something that makes them afraid. Yes. And that's something that I've been dealing with from pretty much day one. Yes. And seeing this, I have to actually over like, you know, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Like over, you know, make myself like, you know, even make make sure they feel more comfortable, which is sad that I have to actually do this. Absolutely. You know, you got to make them feel more comfortable. You have to change the way you walk. You have to change your tone to make people feel more comfortable. Well, guess what? You're already comfortable. You know, right. that, you know, I, like I said, I, I just wanted to, to, to just bring that out, you know, because on this show, I try to have honest conversations. You know, you know, you can do a lot of interviews, Sheldon, and these and these interviews are about the success of your career. But we're talking about now and how you have to change lives now. And like I said, a couple of years ago, you started the Sheldon Williams Foundation. It's an extension of who you are. Is this the voice of who you are now? Because at one point, the voice of who you were was an athlete. Is this your voice now? This is pretty much this is pretty much my voice, part A, part B. You know, like building up. As you keep growing, you keep evolving, right? And that's something that we as human beings continue to do. So, a lot of people, especially before social media, you only see the athlete. And then, if you follow me on social media, you'll see I'm talking about you know my daughter, mm-hmm. uh, social issues. You know, you'll see, like I said, part one, part two, part three. You're seeing a lot of stuff that's going on, and that's evolving as I evolve right. as a person and the person I'm going to become in the future. But it's always ever changing, so you always going to get something different than you may see a month, you know, a year ago, whatever right. case may be. Mm-hmm. You will see that I'm not going to be just put into a category, a box. I'm always going to try to help and try to extend myself and do more things where I'm not going to be just one category. Okay, let's let's have some fun here. You know, you 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 know, you former lottery pick, you former NBA player. You you watching games. You know, you you know, we we see the 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 big three that they put together in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, can they win it all, Sheldon? Can they win it all? Well, the thing. The thing is, until last, this past year, LeBron and AD were the first team to win right off the bat. Right. When they got together mm-hmm. for a long time. I mean, when LeBron and, uh, LeBron and uh, D-Wade and Chris Bosh, when they got together, they didn't win right off the bat. They had right. to wait a couple years uh, before they won their first one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have all these different big threes as forming. The last time I seen a big three to form that won right off the bat, was back in Boston when KG, Paul, and uh, Ray Allen first uh-huh. formed up. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's difficult to do, especially with guys that demand the ball as much as they did. I know they had a hard loss last night, uh-huh. but I don't really pay attention to that loss just because, like, with me being at Duke, right. a lot of people circled our number on the calendar to make sure that, hey, no matter what we're doing, we're going to get up for this game. And that's how it is for Brooklyn Nets right now. A lot of people going to get up for that game. So they lost to uh, Washington Wizards by, I want to say, one or two points. Mm-hmm. And it was a high-scoring game. But until Washington Wizards can continue to do and play like that, that game doesn't really mean – it doesn't hold much weight mm-hmm. just because they, they lost. 
if that's that's the nature of playing uh, what seventy two games this season. But when you, when you talk about playing a game and watching a career, and and Sheldon, I, I look at the the honors or your jersey number and uh, seeing Duke being a Hall of Famer. What 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 stands out to be the most impressive thing that has happened in your career that you would always go, man, I can't believe that happened to me because you've gotten them all, you know, Gatorade awards, uh, All American honors, lottery pick, walked on the stage and recognized in front of a thousand people as one of the top athletes in the world. What 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 always brings a smile to your face when you think about it from an athletic standpoint? I'm probably going to say being able to have the opportunity to have my jersey hung in the rafters of Cameron Indoor Stadium, being one of 13 guys. That's, all a, bad, that's a bad rafter there. Christian Leitner, Jay Wheel. Yeah. That's a bad rafter there, baby. Grant, yeah. Grant Hill. Come on now. Shane Battier. See, I know him. I know Duke, man. <laughs> Of all, of all the great players that play at Duke, my name and my jersey will be forever hung in that Raptors. So I want to say that's probably the greatest one because, like, being a kid out of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I didn't see myself, one, mm-hmm. leaving the state of Oklahoma because at that time, I've only seen one player leave the state of Oklahoma play. And that was Etan Thomas, who right. left to go to Syracuse. Right. That everybody stayed in the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So once I got a chance to actually play for Duke University, right. And then as my career started unfolding and I had an opportunity to become a player that I was going to become and had the opportunity to be actually have my uh, jersey retired, mm-hmm. that was a true blessing because I didn't go into Duke thinking that. I went into Duke trying to think, hey, I got to prove a lot of people wrong from back home in Oklahoma that I can play with the biggest and the best of, of the college basketball right. and in the best ACC conference. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, Sheldon, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Man, you're great. You're a great talker, boy. You know what I'm saying? You 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 got some words coming out your mouth, my friend. <laughs> you, no, know, you know, you, you had that little laid back, little stoic personality, but man, you can talk, man. You got something to say. You know, and, and continue to make a difference. I know that uh, we was connected and uh, it's an interview long overdue for us to connect. Uh, uh, COVID slowed down the relationship in 2021. You know, we know what uh, COVID's going to do from an athletic standpoint. We see uh, how it's affecting uh, the high schools, uh, college level, and players who who want to go pro, or players who want to extend their athletic careers are being cut short. Are they given an extra year of eligibility? But I know that if you ever need me, my man, Sheldon Williams, Rashawn McDonald's a friend, and I'm always there for you, brother, and I hope you enjoyed this interview. I appreciate that. I, I did enjoy the, the interview. I appreciate you having me on. It was great talk, great discussions. Also, I mean, for us to actually talk about not just basketball, but the whole life mm-hmm. experience and topics was great for me to actually talk to you about it. So thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate my time. Well, you know, the great thing about it, Sheldon, is that you know me now. You know that you know when we talk in the future, it's going to be a different because, you know, coming on when I say hello, a friend saying hello to you. And we're going to talk about life, man, just life about making sure you and the brand that you're building now is important and affects millions of people, not just hundreds, but millions of people because your brand's worldwide. And uh, social media allows that to happen. The digital platform allows that to happen. And my job is to make sure that you are a blessing to everybody because the Sheldon Williams Foundation, like I stated earlier, is dedicated to empowering student athletes and their families by delivering and supporting initiatives that promote emotional and physical health through sports, education, and community involvement. Again, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, Sheldon Williams. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Appreciate it. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com or subscribe in our YouTube channel. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. We will be right back with more Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Ricky Smiley. The Ricky Smiley Foundation is a nonprofit organization founded to help underserved communities as well as young people and seniors through programming that is designed to foster family, community, and social responsibility. Getting out, doing the right thing, trying to help people, educate people, love people, feed people, encourage people, not make everything about me. And to get out and be a part of that legacy. You know, it's cool being a, a comedian and being on tour and doing all this stuff. But I use that platform to do good, to continue to educate and love and motivate and, and teach. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who are genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next two guests are about being committed to their effort, being committed to a plan, and actually... Uh, I'm pretty sure when they started talking about this dream, people probably looked at them sideways, told them that was impossible. There can only be one BET. You know, people, I always tell people, don't let your friends, your your relatives, you know, your church followers, anybody, even somebody you love who loves you, sway you from your dream. I always tell people also that if you try to be a doctor, don't talk to a mechanic. Vice versa. Yeah. Try to be a mechanic, don't talk to a doctor. So you have to go to people who understand you, and that's why I created Money Making Conversation. My next two guests are Marquise Lupton and William Wade II. I call them WW2. <laughs> <laughs> They're two of the founders of TCP Network. TCP stands for the Cultural Professional Network. They recently took their business up another notch in this new year, bringing their content on Roku, which is really, really important. Launching their Roku channel, TCP TV. TCP TV aims to give people of all color and other disenfranchised groups a voice on this platform and supports its community through broadcasting content, community service events, and media literacy camps for kids. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my friends, because we've been trying to get this connected for about three weeks. Marquise Lupton, and he's not in studio, but it's my man, the WW2, uh, William Wade II. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Uh, you know, you know, you got a name like that, WW, I got to give you some hype. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, you know, you know, this is a conversation I'm having with both of you about a network called the Cultural Professional Network. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm going to reference you, Marquise, and sometimes I'm going to reference you, William. But feel free to create this in the, a, a, a conversation about your brand that each one feels comfortable by chiming in because I really want to let my audience know and also build name and brand recognition. That's what it's about when you come on shows like this. So people walk away with a clear understanding of what you're trying to do and I'm uh, I want to just start the interview by saying congratulations by getting on the Roku platform. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It was uh, it, it was actually a um, uh, it, it was part of our like five year plan. Um, mm -hmm. And it and it happened in in three years, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. it's a um, testament um, to the team that we have right now. We have uh, to date about uh, about 40 people. Uh, that that helped this thing move, you know, um, uh, um, and and everyone from start to finish, top to bottom, left to right, um, has has really helped this dream come true. Now, when you say dream come true, what is the dream? 
Uh, the dream, the dream is all right. Um, if, if, if I could have everybody just uh, a dream with me, real quick. All right. Uh, on the right hand side, you have your uh, local news. You know, right. um, your local affiliates, your your ABC, CBSs, NBCs. Uh, you know that that uh, this group over here, they're they're not going to cover certain stories um, uh, that that affect uh, certain neighborhoods. Um, certain neighborhoods, you know that they're only going to have a, a, a narrative um, come out of that neighborhood. That they're not going to uh, search for those um, feel-good stories, those uh, stories that uh, take a little bit more elbow grease to get. So you have your local affiliates over here. Over here, you have your CB, I mean, your uh, major CBSs, uh, you have your CNNs, MSNBCs, and you have your BETs. Um, we know that uh, when they talk about uh, the melanated people, uh, uh, people of color in this country, uh, it's it's more so like a broad stroke. Uh, it, it's mm -hmm. never gonna get down to individual communities, uh, individual neighborhoods. Uh, that's where TCP exists. We exist right in that middle um, be, because we know that the local uh, affiliates, um, they're not going to uh, get the stories that uh, really address us. Um, and the national, uh, they're not really going to uh, have that microscope, uh, so to speak, to, um, to break down certain stories that happen in certain neighborhoods, communities, and what have you. So we exist kind of right in that middle sphere, uh, mm -hmm. as, as we said. Let me ask you now, William, now the network has 10 shows. And now you have a show which I, I'm about to ask you to start talking. It's called Say Less. So, <laughs> you know, which is, you know, in, in the world of what we're talking about, a lot of people say sometimes you should speak up. So when you have a title called Say Less, William, what do you mean by that? Say Less is actually probably the opposite because we say the most. <laughs> um, that, that, that is exact. It, it's kind of like a, a just a play on words. We we are very outspoken on our show. Um, mm -hmm. if, if you've ever seen Say Less for anybody out there, we we cover pop culture, but we also get into social issues, and we do it unfiltered. We do it with uh, with with no. No, uh, there's there's nobody to tell us what we can and can't say, and that's what you get with TCP, and you won't get on regular news or regular TV. Like we don't have nobody telling us we can't say this and we can't say that. So we okay, are okay, going to speak okay, we, because nobody else is going to do it for us. Okay, you say less. I, I'm I'm a guest. Don't say less. I'm I'm on the show. Okay, let's talk about some of the topics because you know that's what money making conversation is. It's a conversation about the community. It allows you to have a voice. Like I got, I you know got special guest Marquise over here, you know, and I'm just stumbling upon the show. Hit me with a couple of topics so I can join in. Come on, William. <laughs> okay, well, yesterday we we did say less, and I started talking about colorism. Okay, so because mm -hmm. there was a conversation on one night in Miami where Jim Brown had checked. He not checked, but he was speaking to Malcolm X and he asked, why was he so militant? Uh, was he militant? Did it have to do because he was light skinned? Um, right. And I think colorism, I know colorism still exists today. Has colorism affected you in any way? Now, I would say that because I'm a black man, anytime I walk in a room, I've, lo I've lost my competitive edge because you know who I am. 
Okay, that's where white people don't have to deal with colorism. You know, they have to deal with being a different shade. I don't know if they're Italian. I don't know if they're Jewish. I don't know if they're Greek. You know, in some situations, I might not even know that you are from a Latin America country. So a colorism, just taking it out of the African-American community, which we know exists there as well. But from a global perspective, I, I am at a loss because you know my ace. I can't play a game. I can't play in the shadow of me being somebody else or coming from a different culture because you know for a fact I'm either African or I'm black. And so looking at who I am, you're probably going to say he's a black guy. So from a colorism, has always played a, a game in my life, but I haven't let it stop me because I've realized that's the hand I've been dealt with. And so with that being said, I always tell people, we might tell people, you know, racism does exist. So it's your I, your purpose to get in the sight line of the decision makers. I always tell people, decisions are always made when people are looking forward. People never look back to make a decision. They never do. They never turn around and go, oh, let me see who's behind me. Oh, Bill, I want you to come back here. They make a decision looking front, left or right. And so that's how I see with your brand, TCP. You know, you guys are in front of the decision makers now. Who are the decision makers? The viewers. And so so when you ask me about my color, I always tell people, look, I deal with it. But my job is to be in front of the decision makers. And as long as I can stay in front of the decision makers, I have an edge. And I'm not going to let that beat me down. And that's how I've been able to stay ahead of the curve. I hear that. Take it, take it. Was that all right, William? Can I come on your show again? That was, that was, you can come on anytime. You can come on anytime. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, but but, but that's why that's why when I when I I, I reached out to you guys because I saw an article on you and I went, you know, we all got to have a plane. You know, everybody has this theory because you know I grew up on BET like we all did, and BET started out with music videos, and then they started. You know, my boy Ed Gordon was the was the you know was the black voice of news, and then all of a sudden BET kind of like went away. They stopped mm -hmm. serving the public for for they never went. They never did um, uh, do it yourself shows. They never did cooking shows. You see, own is trying to go in that direction. So black people have always been uh, uh, catered to like, you know, we want action. We want uh, comedy and uh, you want music. In the entertainment world, especially in the television or the streaming medium. So that's why I'm happy to see what you guys are doing because when I see hip hop and politics, Kings Court, Boss Talk, Sit Down with the Johnsons, you know, Say Less, Opinionated Facts, these are shows that I've been waiting for because of streaming networks and, and innovative gentlemen like you allowed me and my family and my friends and people of color to say, guess what? We can participate. Absolutely. And and, and that's really what what helped uh, build TCP. Um, we we built this thing off of uh, uh, Facebook, off of Facebook Live. Uh, so so it was that that audience participation um, it, it was it was active active TV watching um, right. where where as a viewer um, you're not only watching the content but you can um, be a part of the conversation and and really help control uh, the flow of the conversation to a degree right. um, and um, and especially over the pandemic um, when when everything shut down uh, that's when we really experienced a a explosion. Um, because everybody was at home, um, everybody was just uh, scrolling through their phone, 
Um, so what we said, um, we had to move on from the um, studio that we were at um, at that time um, because of COVID. And we said, all right, well, look, um, we're just going to do this from my garage um, and we're just going to broadcast from my garage. And and for about uh, four months um, in the pandemic, we broadcasted mm -hmm. from my garage. We did it up um, a, a, a little bit. Um, but during that time, again, people were just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and just absorbing and, and really enjoying our content. Um, and, and then with that, the protests over the summer came. Um, right. and, and that's when we, we witnessed another surge um, because we were, we were right in the thick of things, um, getting, getting the real stories, getting the real reactions of the people. Um, we, we went to places where um, other, other journalists um, may have been a bit fearful, um, but because we shared the, the same personal story um, uh, of, of people that were protesting, we had access to places and people during that time that really uh, helped us tell tell the story. Um, and, and that's where uh, people began to really see the, the effect and the reason why we exist. Cool. Uh, William, yeah, really let me ask you this. Year two, uh, mm -hmm. 2020, uh, we were all down. It, it was terrible, but it was a lot to talk about. And right. that makes for great content. So we spoke about it. When you say when you say terrible, are you talking about the George Floyd or the loss of life from COVID because it was just overtly affecting people of color? What was the terrible part about the conversation? All of the above. Um, COVID hit, and um, we we never stopped working. So we was they saw in real time our reaction was like their reaction. Like we right. we had no idea what we were going through. Like it was it was a scary time. And then during that time, uh, the George Floyd thing happened and um, all over the country, including our city, there were there were protests everywhere. And we were on the front lines. We were at the protests. We were covering these things. And during these protests, a young man was killed by police in our very city. And we were first on the scene to cover that. So like all of these things, like we were there, we were we were in the mix. We were in D.C. for 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 that um March, uh, the, the get your knee off our next March. We were there, like we were everywhere during this year um, when it was just rough for people. We were, we, we were, we were working. Well, you know, Vice uh, programming, and which I'm a big fan of, and it f feels very much that you guys are doing Vice, which is organic, authentic programming that feels uh, gritty and uh, and from a from a um, an original point of view. Am I close to saying the style of program that you guys are trying to bring to the to the people of color community? Um, I would say that we're we're a mix between um, Vice and um, and Tyt on the Young mm -hmm. Turks. Um, I, but we're we're just melanated, you know. This is melanated <laughs> media, like we like to say. And you know, now we got these ten programs. <laughs> You know, I, I, I'm gonna take it this way. I'm gonna take this way. Wait, you know, when I look at Boss Talk and I look at King's Court and hip hop and politics, you know, that to me is I'm not seeing that nowhere else. 
So that's important to hear that because I can't hear that on the radio. I can't hear that on Sirius XM, even though they say that's what they do. You know, you know, they, you know, they, they, they've had the same people do the host the same shows for the last 10 years. And that's serious talk. And if you go to the, to the uh, HBCUs, they're over, they're inundated by jazz stations and adult programming. It really is crazy to me when I go to college stations and I go, Hey, who are they trying to, who the listeners 50 and up and so that means they miss the whole voice of what i think these schools are supposed to be attuning to and so so when i listen what you guys are doing it feels like i'm hitting the millennial generation uh william is that am i wrong in saying that no um we were we were blessed with the internet and with the internet we were able to cut out the the middleman and and give it to the people straight, no filter. And mm. and that's what we try to do. And we're gonna hit it from all angles using the technology that we had. And the technology that we've had when we started to the technology that we have now has allowed us to be capable of doing things that we wouldn't even have dreamed about in the beginning. And so so it's, it's moving at a rapid pace. Um, and yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're gonna do is take complete advantage of every media platform that we can. Now, here's the funny part now, Marquise. You know, you say you started on Facebook Live. So I, I, my general impression is that y'all, y'all were like out there. Y'all, it was raw. It was uh, unpredictable. Uh, it was learning on the, on, on the fly. Uh, people, people commenting. You're dropping some information accurate, but it was from the heart. Talk about those early, those early years of, of launching the network. <laughs> oh man! So um, so we we started um uh, in in a community center, um mm -hmm. in in a um studio that wasn't used for about ten years. Um, so there was there was just a terrible, terrible, terrible uh, reception. Um, no ventilation. Uh, and, and we had to <laughs> hold our phones. So like we, we would have to hold the phone for an hour, you know, 75 minutes, 90 minutes, however long the show is. And our arm was a tripod and like, um, coming up, that was like the running joke, uh, TCP, TCP, uh, they'll have you hold the phone. They'll have you hold the phone for an hour, you know? So, <laughs> so that was, uh, uh, really like, um, that was a humbling. Uh, it, it was very, very humbling. And, and then um, and then at times when the community center was closed, you know, we had to figure out ways to still put on the show and, and everything because we wanted to be consistent with this. Um, our start is what uh, really is our strong foundation um, because we really leaned on one another um, at the beginning. And, and, and now we can share those stories now, like, oh, we got a uh, studio now. Uh, but at the beginning, um, I remember when we were running off of uh, one light, you know, um, when we were all sweating in the studio, uh, those times were very humbling. Sometimes now, they lock us out the building and we can't get in. <laughs> but that's, 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 you know, and that's your Roku, your Roku channel. You know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like don't let, when I, when I hear your story and I read your story, it's really about overcoming the odds 
And like I said, people kicking dirt in your face and people questioning you, people being more critical but not seeing the vision or the passion or the hope or the dreams. And now you're on the Roku channel, which is the ultimate platform for, you know, for, for streaming channels. It really is, you know. You know, Roku is like, it's like, you know, you, 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 you get it on, like any smart TV has Roku. That's the beauty of where you're going from a technology standpoint. You're not being left. If you buy a new TV, it's a smart TV. It will have Roku channel. And you guys are on there. How can one find your your you on the search button on the Roku channel? Just go up and and type in right in your search bar, TCP television. It'll pop right up and click wow. on it. Okay, now who started crying first? Who 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 was like in disbelief and kept typing in TCP TCP to make sure it worked? <laughs> I, I think I watched it for seventy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm one hundred percent our biggest fan. Absolutely. Well, well, you got your brother, yeah. Brandon yeah. Way. He does opinionated facts. I see. I love this a family operation because I, I see Marquise, Marquise, you have a you have Keith, you have a TCP in the morning. You have that show. And then I see mm -hmm. uh, yes, Reverend sir. Sherry Lupton uh, does reset. Mm -hmm. Boss Talk by Jesse Cannon. King's Court by Andre Dixon. Uh, Hip Hop and Politics by Nina Falk. Taekwon Wright. I love that. What is 10th floor? What is 10th floor? Um, Tenth floor. That is um, that is our uh, uh, sports and and pop culture show, and it right. also uh, takes a little a little deeper uh, look into sports uh, than our um, opinionated facts show. Um, um, opinionated facts. That's more you know, it's in its name. Um, uh, opinions. Mm -hmm. Tenth floor takes uh, takes a little bit deeper dive, looking at uh, statistics and tying that into uh, pop culture and whatnot. Well, my friend, how can I help you? I, I got you know Twitter. I got social media. I got 1.6 million uh, brand influencers. I'd love to be able to send me some banners because that's what this show is about. You know, I'm not charging anybody anything, but you know, God has allowed me to live my dream. This is part of my dream. You know, being able to talk to talented individuals like you, and I consider you visionaries. And the visionaries uh, need partnerships. I'm a partner in trying to be able to market and be able to. Get the word out. So if you send me banners, I put in my weekly newsletter. You, uh, you send me banners. I post it on my social media because I'm proud of you. And I, I just want to thank you guys for being patient with me because we rescheduled a couple of times because in earnest, I wanted to put my best foot forward in presenting this interview to America. I uh, really appreciate it. Hey, William Marquis. thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Money Making Conversations on the platform. On the TCPnetwork.com. Okay, cool. Uh, thank y'all for coming on the show. I want to appreciate y'all. We're going to get this aired immediately, and we're going to start promoting and doing our part to make this winning situation and the winning opportunity. I'm so proud of you guys to be on that Roku platform. I really, that is a big deal. It's not nothing that I'm going to shy away from and say that anybody can get on it, and that's not true. You're creating valid, consumable program for people of color. Your 10 shows are only the beginning. Again, thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversation. And like I told everybody, keep winning, okay? Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Cool. All right. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversations interview, please go to moneymakingconversations.com. I'm Rashad McDonald. I'm your host.